What's going on, guys? Before we dive into the show, I wanted to shine the spotlight for a brief moment on one of our sponsors. Fight fans, you know the action doesn't start until 7 p.m., so you have plenty of time before the first walkout to take care of things around the house, or more importantly, take a second to jack up your car and install some new parts you ordered from RF Auto Works. RF Auto Works is the leader in customer service when it comes to online shopping for any and all automotive performance products. With an incredibly deep catalog of everything from carbon fiber hoods, exhausts, and even interior design packages for all makes and models, RF Auto Works is truly the one-stop shop for all your automotive parts needs. Simply go to rfautoworks.com and browse through their inventory, and I guarantee within minutes, your shopping cart will be full. Once again, that's rfautoworks.com, R-F-A-U-T-O-W-E-R-K-S.com where customer service and high-quality parts meet for a match at top speed. What is going on, guys? It is the first live episode of If the Glove Fits Radio. I am your host, Marcus Almuth, and I am so excited for you guys to be with me. Uh, We run a couple of rough drafts and got this submitted to iTunes, and we are rocking and rolling, and I couldn't be more excited to get this off the ground and running. So... Just a little bit of housekeeping so everybody knows what we are about and what we tend to be and what we want to be for the coming future. If the Glove Fits Radio is going to be your place to get all the MMA updates you need in your life, it's going to be a show not only for all MMA updates in the entire world, going broadcasting through all of the leagues such as UFC, the Bellator, um, One Championship, any leagues that you can think of, but we also are going to try and cater to the regional scene. I come from uh, Sacramento, California, and boy, do we have a regional scene on our hands. I love everything and anything about MMA, and I would like to just give you guys an entertaining show, switch all the casual fans over to hardcore fans, and invite everybody in between to really just enjoy a fight every now and then on a Saturday night. And really not only be entertained, but enjoy listening to me each and every week. Um, So just a side piece on me, I I am the host of this show. Um, My name is Marcus Almuth, and I have lived in Sacramento all my life. And basically, I've just had a knowledge and as well as interest in, in MMA since probably I was about 16 years old. But I mean, you don't really need to know all the background about that. Um, I've actually had one fight amateur fight i'm 1-0 um i did a fight for the titans cage which is one of the regional promotions here in sacramento and it was fantastic it was run very well and everyone and their mom should know that titans cage is extremely well and renowned promotion and um that's kind of the 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 scene that we're going to go towards but just this this episode and what we're going to do here is run down a whole bunch of different fun segments for you guys to listen to give you guys a chance to win some prizes because the one thing that I want to do for our listeners is make sure that not only are you listening and you're giving me your input and and you know giving me your listens and views and likes every week but it's actually a, what something that I want to do and uh, get get the listeners something back as well so get them and you know incentivized to listen to me each and every week and go ahead and share it with everybody and their mom and their brothers and their sisters and everybody so it is my duty and my my interest to make sure that we get something back to you guys. But um, I have two wonderful kids. I have a beautiful fiance that I'm marrying in July, 
And uh, this is just kind of going to be my side hobby, but I, I hope to make it um, a weekly thing that turns into something that I can actually rely on and, you know, do for a living. It would be amazing. So any help and any likes and everything that you guys can do to make sure that that is a dream that's turned into reality, please do so. I should have the link in my Instagram that I'll be putting out. I should be making a post tomorrow with this live episode as well as we are on iTunes. Got the seal of approval from the Big Apple Man and uh, we should be up on Spotify. We are on SoundCloud right now so that link will be available as well and in the future we should be getting a YouTube channel as well but just playing with everything and managing all the different types of dashboards and everything like that. Um, We are simply only on SoundCloud or iTunes at this time. So like I said, this podcast is going to be your one place that you can find all the up-to-date news that you need to know about what's going on in the MMA world. It's my hope that I touch on each and every large subject or minor subject that you feel that you need to know about or that's going on. No, it's not all going to be about the Conor McGregor gossip and whatnot, but you know, I kind of want to touch on some of the stuff that may not get the shine, may not get the rub, may not be, you know, headline news. It's not all going to be about clickbait and, you know, stuff that I want you to click on and get my website or get my um, podcast likes. It's going to be it's going to be a broad spectrum of everything that you should or need or want to know about MMA and anything related to the subject matter. Um, With that being said, I start off the show just because um, in the past episodes, we did a couple rough drafts or whatnot. There was a whole bunch of bumblings and rumblings about the the Irishman, Conor McGregor, and of course, Khabib. But uh, I just kind of want to touch on this because it actually is going to lead me into my next subject, which is the big, big fight this weekend. So let's start with the Conor and Khabib drama that everyone has been talking about. So as everybody knows... Conor McGregor and Khabib have had this drama ever since the big incident over like on their last fight. And after the fight, Khabib finished him and jumped out of the cage and went after Dylan Dennis. And it was an incredible melee that looked like something like Ron Artest when he was on the Pacers. Luckily, it didn't get to that scale. But um, the Las Vegas police, you know, handled it as best they could. And unfortunately... It should have all gotten squashed there, but because of all the damage that Conor McGregor did to Khabib's psyche and whatnot, and the the pride that Khabib has, it simply did not stop there. They both got punishments. Conor McGregor has done absolutely nothing to stay out of the media eye, out of the law enforcement's eye, and has had himself in many headlines with a, you know, a, an array of allegations, but unfortunately, Khabib has stooped to his level, and this is where I kind of want to start the quick timeline so we can, you know, kind of run over this subject matter, but then also, you know, say what the importance is to everybody else. So the quick rundown of the timeline was Khabib actually went to a, I believe he was getting married, or he was actually, you know, just attending an event with his wife, and she was dressed up, and because of their religion, she her face was covered, and it was in a, this beautiful veil, and, um, Connor tweeted out saying that your wife is a towel, mate. And as um, funny as some people may think that was, whether that was intentional, whether that was a negotiation tactic, whether that was simply him poking the bear, it, it, it just was unacceptable in so many ways. And as soon as I saw that and I was, I was reading up on the article and watching this Twitter just war and just 
totally blow up into something way too big. I started to think just why? Why why do we need to go there? Why do we need to have this? Conor McGregor is back and forth in and out of retirement. I mean, he's one foot in, one foot out, jumping off uh, the diving board of, you know, marketing himself into some type of big payday or stockholder share in the UFC. And my question was just why? I mean, why, why do we need to do this? Because it's only going to cause more drama and it's only going to limit our fan base as well as their fan base from getting the one thing that everybody wants, which is the rematch. And some people don't even want the rematch. Some people don't even care to see it. But then it escalated to him being called a rapist and being accused of sexual harassment, which funny enough, he actually was in the newspaper with the headlines over in Ireland. Um, and so Khabib posted a picture of definitely not Dee Devlin, which is Conor McGregor's wife. So that led to a even darker, you know, subject that we all don't want to get into but it it led to something that took this drama and took this hatred between two two fighters and it took it a place that was extremely and incredibly dark way too dark for the fight game even though the fight game is about making headlines and trash talking and whatnot and after that connor decided to get even more riled up or he was simply just having what he would call fun and said plot twist under the towel it's a go now that can be even more offensive in a religion sense in a personal sense because it's his wife in personal sense to race for his russian heritage it could be you know or dagestani heritage it could be a, a, a million things the point is the reason why i want to spend a short amount of time on this topic as well as the reason why i feel like everyone in the game is just getting a little bit tired of conor mcgregor's antics is this in my mind isn't what we signed up for, isn't what we love Conor McGregor for, isn't what we want when we see Conor McGregor the fighter. Conor McGregor the fighter gained everybody's respect as well as mine because he walked into a cage, he put his two fists up, he gave somebody a left hook, and he slept them. Whether that was 12 seconds, 13 seconds, a minute and a half, or you know, in the second round, it doesn't matter. The man walked into a cage. The man said he was going to do this and that, and then he went and did this and that. And that's why everybody and their mom loved Conor McGregor. That's why he has a nation on his back. That's why he's selling Irish whiskey against Jameson to the Cowboys and meeting with the owner of the Cowboys and being at the Super Bowl in America. That's why he's on Jimmy Fallon doing, you know, little skits in Irish pubs on one of the biggest late night shows on TV in America is because he said, I'm going to go do A, B, and C. What time would you like me to do it? Oh, 3.37 p.m. I'm going to go do A, B, and C at 3.37 p.m. But he did it in a cage fight. Khabib, on the other hand, was the only undefeated fighter in lightweight history that did what he did. And he basically said, watch this. You're going to defend the takedown because that's what I'm going to do. You're not going to defend the takedown. I'm going to get the takedown and then I'm going to sit on top of you. I'm going to beat you into submission until the next opponent comes and tries to tell me that he can sprawl. And he definitely can. No one can stop the takedown when it comes to Khabib. Nobody was able to stop the takedown and Conor McGregor for sure couldn't stop the takedown, and he got beaten to a pulp and submitted 
just like Nate Diaz did it, but with a little dash of salt more than what Nate did. And that's what we need to get back to. Let's just get back to business. And I'll say it again because I feel like everybody who is a hardcore MMA fan and even probably some of the casual fans that just watch both of these gentlemen because of who they are and what the what spectacle that they bring to the sport is let's just get back to business. Because if Khabib and Connor both just stay quiet, someone takes their phone away and they just go back to their respective countries, they get in the gym like we know they want to do and they enjoy doing, and then they come back out and Dana White announces with some giant press conference in the middle of Madison Square Garden or somewhere in you know Texas and you know Dallas Cowboys Stadium at one of the events, or they cut a promo in the middle of you know. Uh, um, an event in the Staples Center or something like that with Conor McGregor laughing, and then they announce that the rematch is going to happen, that will out and overplay any type of drama or any type of Twitter feud or any type of clickbait garbage that either one of them could give us in between now and then. Everybody just wants to either see them back in the cage or for them both to just respectively be quiet. Because in my mind, and what I feel like is everyone, what is on everyone else's mind, is that this is just garbage. This is just pointless, pointless garbage. I mean, myself and maybe a coworker or my neighbor, we could get on Twitter right now and put our fingers to the keyboards on our iPhones and talk a little trash. We could insult each other's religion. We could insult each other's families. But that is not needed. There's not even a fight booked right now. Nobody is even trying to book this rematch. Khabib's not going to be back till after Ramadan, and Connor is already saying that he's going to go do WWE somewhere else, or if he could possibly do it. You know, signing off on his Twitter with winky faces saying he's looking for other job openings. There's nothing to even sell here. So, other than that topic where it's just simply frustrating that we have to basically pay attention and, you know, pay mind to this garbage, the other thought in my mind is really all this really did was put the rematch in jeopardy. So, I mean, number one, you want this rematch to happen. But number two, all of this religion, this race talk, and this, you know, really, really hostile tactics of, you know, verbal sparring that they're going through, in my mind, it really just cost them the rematch. I mean, I was talking to my brother, and I was telling him, and I was like, man, after all this settles down, and even though Dana White said that he was going to talk to both camps and calm it down, I mean... Would it be irresponsible or would it be responsible to host this rematch? I mean, they had to basically have Las Vegas police storm the arena and storm the cage that they already had them there. So props to the UFC because they wanted to have everything ready in case something like this happened. But I mean, how much police force, how much security, I mean, how much personnel are you going to have? To have in that arena or to have at those press conferences or weigh-ins or open workouts to make a fan or media member or shoot, even another fighter's camp feel comfortable to where that they feel safe. You have Conor McGregor throwing dollies at buses when he's not even on the card, when he's not even fighting this person. And you're telling me that after he insults the wife and insults the religion of an extremely proud man, after that man already 
attacked him and tried to assault him after he tapped him out, you're telling me that that is going to be a safe and responsible thing to do to rebook that fight after all of this Twitter finger warrior stuff? I don't think so. I don't think so. And it saddens me because, sure, give Conor McGregor another shot. Let Khabib try to get his legs in, you know, in a bind and you know, beat him up against the cage for another four rounds or three rounds and see if Conor can get any type of you know, improvement in his ground game. Book it again. Do I think it'll, the outcome will change? Probably not. But do I think Conor McGregor deserves a chance? Yeah. Do I think that it would be responsible to book that now? Absolutely not. It's, it's, it would be a liability to not only the sports image, but it would be a liability to everyone involved. Anyone that's on that card, I would say we're going to be going and we're going to weigh in. We're going to get in and we're going to get out. Because when Connor and Khabib's camps are anywhere near this building or anywhere near where we all have to be in the public eye, we need to get out of there as soon as possible. Um, and, and, then, and that's just, that's just a black eye on the sport. Nothing has even happened yet. But the biggest rematch, aside from maybe John Jones in DC, but the biggest probably fight that could be made is the Connor could be rematch. The sad thing is, is we are getting farther and farther away from that rematch happening. And with this drama and this hatred that both of them are fueling, it's just sad to say that. You know, the biggest moneymaker, the biggest rematch in history, and the most interesting fight, because it's a striker versus a grappler match, that could happen is simply getting farther and farther away. And in my opinion, I don't think it will ever come back, even with Connor's sad attempt to try to say, oh, I didn't really mean anything. I love everybody in all races and all religions. Let's just get back to the thing, you know, get back to the drawing board and see in the cage, you know. If uh, Conor McGregor hadn't done the past five incidents that he's been accused of or convicted of, I might be tend to you know believe him. But at this point, I think everyone in their in their collective you know friends are just kind of just sick and tired of his excuses or his you know oh I'm sorry by the way I'm coming down from you know a bender and I just feel like apologizing because that's what my manager told me to do. It's it just doesn't work after the third or fourth time. It just simply doesn't. So the reason why I wanted to spend time on that and kind of give you guys a timeline is because really with all this stuff happening, you have to think of the repercussions and everything and you know what has caused the lightweight division to undergo because of these two people, two massive giants of the division, what they've caused. And what they've caused is a giant logjam. Not to mention lightweight was already a logjam. They were trying to figure it out. And they did once Khabib won because Khabib was going to be this new champion that was going to, you know, rectify the division, fight two times or three times a year, only go about pride. If you're the number one contender, he's fighting you. He'll take you down, beat you into a pulp, and then he says, next, please have another. But that didn't happen the moment the eagle became an eagle and flew off the cage into the crowd. So what this set up is the UFC had to switch it out and figure out what in the hell is going to happen and what is going to go on and go on for the future. And where is the division going to go? So that brings us to this weekend, UFC 236. Everyone, as far as the hardcore fan base is, is kind of getting sick and tired and has an extreme dislike for interim belts. Basically, the belt that signifies you are the champion because 
the leader of the division, the dad of the division, has gone away on vacation either because of legal issues, religious holidays, or injury. At this time, it's because Khabib is suspended and he said he wanted to extend his own ex- suspension for not only to take time off for his religious holiday, but that's common knowledge, but as well as because he was upset that his other teammates got fined and I believe suspended as well. He said, I'm writing it out with them because they're my ride or dies. Honorable. Great. It's a trait that Khabib has that we all respect him for. However, now the UFC has to do something because they're not tying up the best division in the league because A, Connor's gone, and B, Khabib's gone by choice. So what do they do? They take the 145 champion in Max Holloway, and they take, I believe, the number three contender, Dustin Poirier, and they say, hey, y'all want to fight for a belt? Because number one and two are gone, and we can't even book a rematch if we wanted because now we have security hazard as well as they're both suspended and they don't want to come back, or we don't know when they'll come back. Holloway is never one to turn down a fight, and either is Dustin Poirier. They said, let's do it. We're putting it together. Max is going up a weight class, and Dustin is finally getting a title shot, and he is ready. So, you have to think. This logjam is attempting to be solved, but it wouldn't have been caused if we would have just had Khabib take the high road and simply just shout and yell at McGregor like he did, say, I beat you fair and square, you're fake, and got his hand raised and walked into the tunnel and got on a plane and flew back to Russia and said, I told you so. But unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. So we are set with one of the biggest and baddest fights in a very, very long time. So that leads me to take you guys into our first segment of Beat the Host. So as I said in the beginning of the show, we are going to have multiple giveaways and multiple prizes and multiple challenges and weekly games that I'd like to play just because I want to involve my listeners as much as possible, as well as I want to give you guys a reason to listen. You guys, if you're, you know, if you're starting off with zero knowledge of MMA, but then you keep listening, you keep listening to other listeners calling in or I feature them on the podcast and they they start winning stuff they start winning movie tickets they win you know Chick-fil-A gift cards they win lunches they I buy them a pay-per-view because they've won multiple times on the show you start wanting to listen and you start wanting to pay attention and start knowing some of these fighters names you start wanting to be like you know getting the courage up be like you know what I'm going to email if the glove fits radio.com I'm going to email them and say hey feature me on the next show on beat the host I want to see if I can, you know, actually pull it off, get some prizes, get some tickets for my kids. So Beat the Host is actually just a very, very simple fight pick And as long as I get beat, basically it'll be all the listeners. Whoever is that featured listener that is going against me that week will be all fighting for all the listeners. If the host is beaten, I will pick a specific listener to win a specific prize for that week. I'll come to you after the fight with the results, which will be another episode, and you'll have to listen on who I pick, and it will all be depending on you know how many listeners I have. The more listeners we have, obviously, the more prizes I'll be able to give out or the higher dollar amount of the prize. Um, right now, I'd love to hit 100 subscribers or 100, you know, 100 views or 100 listens on this first episode by the end of the results, so that gives you guys a couple of days. 
But um, I will have a special giveaway for this episode. But for this particular Beat the Host, we're going to start off with whatever you want for lunch. It's on me. Listeners, so you're going to be going with this one specific listener that's going head-to-head with me. And if they win, I'll pick a couple listeners to go ahead and buy lunch on me, courtesy of If the Glove Fits Radio. So those are the rules. It's going to be straight up, heads up, pick them against pick them. Um, the person that I'm actually having go against me today is Carlos Castrillo, none other than my brother. And I will actually be going head-to-head with him, and we'll go over. I'll be breaking down each one of the main card fights and letting you know which one he picked, which will be him and the listeners, versus the host, me, and who I pick as well. So we'll start from the bottom of the card. It's going to be Ovin St. Prue versus Nikita Krylov. Otis Ovis St. Pru OSP actually is coming back and he's been you know having back and forth losses and he's actually looking to get in the win column again. He did actually just get defeated by um, Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes is actually a new you know rising star and he's been showing a lot of talent and whatnot and they actually fought a decision and OSP probably could have edged it out but. It was just a little bit too much volume, and he was getting you know pieced up in the last round, third round, and I believe Dominic Reyes took the win. Nikita Krylov is also a very, very tough opponent, and he was on a four-fight win streak before his last loss to Jan Blachowicz. So this is going to be an extremely interesting fight. To start off the main card, OSP, you know, he's had some highlight reel knockouts. You know, he had that head kick against Corey Anderson, I believe, and... Um, you know, he, he's shown a lot. I mean, don't forget, a couple years ago, he was, you know, featured in, you know, the UFC countdown show, primetime specials and all that. And he was fighting against John Jones. He was going to take on, he's the only one to take on the power lifter, John Jones, the one with all the muscle mass. And everyone was like, good Lord, how is he making 205? He was the only one to do it. And credit to him, he was the one who made John Jones look vulnerable first. He was the one that was saying, man, we thought you we were going to wipe the floor with OSP, and OSP really stuck it out there. He went to decision, didn't get finished, didn't really get you know dropped, didn't get anything crazy happening to him, and he stuck it with you know supposedly the goat as of now. So OSP really can do and take this fight and you know dispatch Nikita, but I mean if he comes in and he's just kind of lately, in my opinion, it just seems as if his head's not all the way in. It's not all the way in the game because when OSP is on, he can take out anybody. But, you know, fighting someone that's tough as Nikita Krylov, you know, who lost to Jan Blachowicz but was on a four-fight win streak first and he had a couple finishes littered in there. You know, if OSP decides to kind of just hang around and not come out the gate, you know, with, you know, a good defense as well as a decent movement, he could definitely get finished within the first couple rounds. Um, so as far as this fight, for the first fight on the main card starting at 7 p.m. on Saturday, I am taking OSP simply just because I think his experience as well as if he's following his trend of being on and off, it's time for OSP to come back and get back on the win in the win column. And so I'm going with OSP as whereas the listeners champion Carlos is going with Nikita Krylov. So that'll be the first pick of the night. Going into the second fight, is Alan Joban versus Dwight Grant. Now, this is a particular situation where I kind of want to pick with my heart, but I also have to be smart because I'm not trying to buy the whole masses Chick-fil-A, but I am going with the same pick as Carlos. 
we are both picking Allen Joban uh, versus Dwight Grant. So we are taking Allen, and the reason why is because, one, I do like Allen. I've watched him fight a couple times, and he does have incredible heart. Kind of reminds me of Forrest Griffin. Um, he is a point fighter, in my opinion, but he can finish opponents. It's just that I feel like sometimes he lacks a sense of urgency in the later rounds. Once he's kind of up on points, he kind of dances around and finishes, you know, out the round of the fight and gets grabs a decision because he's happy with that. He'd rather do that than risk anything, kind of stay on the outside. And I, I watched him live, and I watched him do that against Mike Perry. Mike Perry almost had him a couple times and almost had him drop, but once he got up on the cards, he stayed at his range, hit him with the jabs, did a couple combos, went in and out, and stayed on the outside, almost like Wonder Boy. He's actually coming back off of a 14-month layoff. It's been quite some time. And Dwight Grant actually is coming off a TKO win within a month ago. I believe it was in February, so over a little bit over a month. And he's coming in trying to make a statement against Alan Joban because before Alan Joban took this giant layoff, he was actually you know becoming a contender. He was doing some nice finishes. He had a couple head kicks that were beautiful, and he was actually dispatching some of the new and upcomers, like I mentioned, Mike Perry. So if Dwight Grant can come in here, he's 9-2. and two. If he can come in here and dispatch an Alan Joban, yes, it's after a long layoff, but if he takes care of him in quick fashion, that's a nice feather in his cap. So, you know, look for Alan Joban most likely to keep at range, keep distance, and try to stay away from the power of Dwight Grant. But... In my mind, I think Alan Joban, as long as he keeps the distance and as long as he keeps his cardio-based you know, based offense, I think Alan Joban is going to be able to get it done. Moving on to the next fight, Eric Anders. Once again, me and Carlos are going with the same pick. Eric Anders is fighting Khalil Roundtree. I'm going with Eric Anders for a specific reason, and I think Carlos is too. But I did kind of want to pick Khalil Roundtree, but I'll tell you why I thought it was a little bit too much of a risk. So Eric Anders is kind of in a do-or-die situation, so that is a little bit of the reasoning why I picked him. But he's actually coming off two losses, and so he needs desperately to get into the win column. Because once you get a third loss in the UFC, you start to kind of tone the edge. And if you aren't someone that brings a lot of eyes to the table or brings a lot of action, or you know, getting fight of the night bonuses every now and then, you're most likely going to be cut, either on that third loss, or extremely soon after. Khalil Roundtree is actually looking to rebound. He's been doing not that bad. He's you know going back and forth. He did get an emphatic win over um, Gokan Saki. Gokan Saki came in and was starching everybody in his kickboxing career. And all of a sudden, he said he wanted to try out the UFC thing. And Khalil Roundtree, I believe, was the underdog. And Because, I mean, sure, Khalil Roundtree has a great striking you know, arsenal. But against the legend in Saki, they were just like, man, I just I don't see it happening. I really don't. Put his lights out. Starched him. Flatlined him. Any other term you want to put it. Gokan Saki didn't even see it coming. I believe it was a 1-2 straight down the middle. Just a cross that floored that man and it was over. And everyone kind of started paying respect to Khalil Roundtree and was like, oh man, hey, Khalil's no joke. He's arrived. And so Eric Anders is going to have to deal with that power. The only reason and the main reason why I picked Eric Anders was because of the wrestling game. We've seen Khalil Roundtree getting taken down. And if I can say it looked like just, you know, a, a limp fish, 
Khalil Roundtree is just laying there, not really trying to pass, not trying to really get maintain full guard or actually even get full guard. He gets mounted, gets transitioned on, and he kind of just sits there, tries to act for a breather. I don't even think I really seen him, you know, try to hold and stay in position, and just try to get a stand up. He kind of just lets himself go. And that is not going to fly when you have, I believe Eric Anders is coming from ex-NFL background. That's not going to happen when you have a powerhouse like that. One, trying to take your head off. So if he clips you, then you're definitely getting taken down. But if he hits a power double and goes ahead and gets you on the ground, you're either going to deal with some destructive ground and pound, or you're just going to have him sit on top of you until you are too tired to deal with the punishment. And or if that ends the round, if he, if Khalil and Khalil Roundtree ends the rounds like that, either the first or second round. Now you're dealing with power on an empty cardio tank. That's not going to happen. So Khalil Roundtree is going to need to kind of keep keep that uh, sprawl and brawl pace, make sure that if Eric Anders goes in for a power double or even a single or gets him across the cage, disengage immediately, get away, keep him at range, and you know start going, you know, jabbing him up. Or actually, you know what, I think if he does a little bit of leg kicks – Tries to get Eric Anders biting on those. He could definitely hit a high kicker. We've seen him get the high before, and I think he could probably catch Eric Anders coming in because Eric Anders does, after getting frustrated or getting the later rounds, he does try to load up on his punches and just get that KO. So he could catch him rushing in or kind of just technically just piece him up. But Eric Anders is definitely going to have to come out, and I think he's going to try to get him on the ground and just give him some vicious ground and pound or try to land that power shot in the first round, and I think it might just be too much for Cleo Roundtree. So that is taking care of the first three fights. That leads us into one of the most interesting and highly anticipated fights of the year. It comes to, yes, another interim championship, unfortunately, but it is going to be Kelvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya. Now, this fight is going to be either extremely quick or what I'm hoping for is going to be an amazing match. Kelvin Gastelum is a guy that if you were just to say, hey, let's think of somebody that can get off the couch or let's think of somebody that can, you know, just be called upon to take on any type of Goliath of a fighter who's, you know, top of the top, ranked extraordinarily high is the new hotness let's take on a guy who thinks he can challenge that person and let's see if he wins Kelvin Gastelum is the guy to win Kelvin Gastelum is somebody that you may or may not just look at and be like hey you know what I don't think he's that great but then all of a sudden he comes and shows you his heart his chin and his cardio and literally he can fold anybody in the division he was on the Ultimate Fighter, and he wasn't necessarily, I believe he was one of the last couple people picked, and he wasn't necessarily any type of, like, you know, ringleader and supposedly, you know, this great star that they thought was going to win the whole show. Took the show. Won the show. He's had a little bit of issues in the past and, you know, with weight and whatnot, but ever since he's been on track, KO'd Michael Bisping, whether you want to, you know, put that feather in his cap or not because Michael Bisping was on his way out. So be it. Michael Bisming was also champion of the world. KO'd him. Made Jacare look like a walking zombie. Had a tough fight with him. Almost KO'd him multiple times. Also took more punishment in that fight that Jacare has dished out to anybody. And they he will stood it. Just stood in the pocket and traded with him. 
Jacare had no idea what to do after that when he was slanging hooks left and right, and Calvin was just like, is that all you got? And um, let's see, what else did he do recently? He was supposed to fight Robert Whitaker, but Robert Whitaker pulled out, so that was a very unfortunate situation. That's actually what led to this fight being booked. But simple enough, Kelvin Gastelum is a grinder. If he can't sit you on your ass with a stand-up, He's going to take you on your ass and put you on your ass with a takedown. And the combination of both, that's where he's really lethal. That's why he's so lethal. That's why no one can really handle him because, I mean, unfortunately, he is Mexican bred. And I'm sure his coaches get a little bit frustrated with him just like Brian Ortega's coaches do because he's always trying to stand and bang with everybody when he can take someone down at will. So the combination of both has really shown the evolution of Kelvin Gastelum, and that is going to be the biggest key to this fight. Is Kelvin Gastelum going to think he's going to be able to stand up with Israel Adesanya, especially at an eight-inch reach disadvantage? That's disadvantage, in case anyone didn't hear me. He has got eight inches of reach to deal with when it comes to Israel. Is he going to be able to do that and actually think he can and just, you know, maybe, you know, slip a couple punches and get on the inside and try to clinch and clip him? Or is he going to be smart and go immediately for that double leg? On the other side of the cage is going to be Israel Adesanya, the new hotness, style bender, the next Anderson Silva. Except he doesn't compare himself to Anderson Silva because he calls himself Israel Adesanya. There is no other one like him. He just dispatched my favorite fighter, Anderson Silva, the GOAT, the one that enters the matrix on a fight, on a daily fight basis, the one that has all the cheat codes, read all the manuals on how to strike, has KO'd everyone that you can think of. Yes, he's a little out of his prime, I'll be the first to admit it. But did it look like you had Neo and Agent Smith in the Matrix just slanging ridiculous combos, moving in and out, sliding, dunking, and dodging on that last fight? Yeah, it did. Was it entertaining to watch? Yeah. Was my favorite fighter of all time looking like he was fighting his son? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. But um, Israel Adesanya deserves every bit of credit that he has been given. He's dispatched the GOAT, in my opinion, with Anderson Silva. And the fight before that, if you have any questions on if he can take on a wrestler or if he can take on someone that has a ground background in Derek Brunson, that answer was or that question was answered as well. Adesanya, I mean, whatever word you want to use, but I'll just use obliterated Derek Brunson just with ease. They were wondering about the takedown. Doesn't really have that strong of a base. Doesn't, you know, by the naked eye, isn't super stocky as far as his bottom half. Lean and mean and built for speed just like or just like Anderson. So they're like, hey, you get someone that has a wrestling background, what are they going to do? What's, he, what, what's Israel going to do? How many rounds can he really sprawl? Or how many sprawls can he really muster out before he gets taken down put on his back? Derek Brunson, I believe, took him down, got him against the cage, took him down, popped right back up, just like Chuck Liddell, sprawl and brawl, got right back up, kept the range, kept his composure, which was key, and lit that man up like a Christmas tree. Just absolutely KO'd him. It was 
like the 2019 or 2018 version of Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin. Sorry, Forrest. Um, just movement inches away from the punches that Derek Brunson was throwing at him and then immediately countered, and it was lights out. Derek Brunson had no way that he was going to win that fight. It was simply beautiful. And after that happened, everyone was just like, okay, we're put on notice. Style Bunder is the one. He is the champ. We're going to throw the goat at him and see what he does. And then he beat the goat. So, I mean, really, if you want to do any type of MMA math, which doesn't really work, I mean, you could say he beat the goat. He's on his way to being the goat. We're going to find out on Saturday because if this man can use his 8-inch reach advantage and keep Kelvin Gastelum away, I think he's going to frustrate Kelvin. And <clears throat> If he can just defend the takedown and make sure that Kelvin is discouraged, that's really going to be the key thing. Kelvin Gastelum is already a confident and proud Mexican fighter, and trust me, they aren't easily discouraged. But Israel Adesanya's number one thing that he does so well is making his opponents think that they're going to lose or get discouraged mid-fight and then believing they have nothing for him as he's fighting. That's his number one skill. Almost like when Conor McGregor beats people before even getting into the octagon, Israel Adesanya is a master at not only doing some of that or at least planting the seed, but that seed grows once he enters the octagon and all of a sudden you're missing. You're loading up on your punches and you're desperately trying to hit something, but you don't hit anything but air. You're watching your fist go right past his nose and you're missing and then all of a sudden you're catching a one-two to your noggin. That is what makes all of his opponents tired and just so discouraged. One round of catching nothing but air, you sit back down on that stool and you're like, can I even hit him? Second round goes by. Same exact thing. Putting all your energy into getting a takedown. He gets back up, lights you up with a knee when he stands back up or gets you in the clinch, catches you with an elbow. Third round, you're sitting on the stool like, what in the hell do I have to do? How do I even touch this guy? That's what Israel Adesanya is going to have to bank on. If he can discourage and get Kelvin Gastelum to start doubting himself between rounds one and two, the rest of the fight is his to take. Because he already has an 8-inch reach advantage, if he can get just a little bit of doubt creep into Kelvin Gastelum's brain, the, the fight is his. It's his for the taking. Now, what Israel cannot do is have that happen and then in the 3rd, 4th, or 5th round start getting cocky and feel like he can enter the matrix because... He may or may not be able to if you're fighting a striker, but if you're fighting somebody that can faint and go for a takedown or get you still worried about that, all he has to do is the Khabib method and take him down and then start getting a bite on the sprawl and then he's going to catch an overhand right. We saw that with Khabib and Connor. Who would have thought Khabib would have dropped Connor? Nobody. But if Kelvin Gastelum pulls that move off on Adesanya, he's going to sleep. I promise you that. Or he's getting clipped, and when Kelvin sees blood in the water, he's going to get on that man, and you're going to catch a rear naked choke on Israel Adesanya within seconds. I guarantee you within moments. If Israel is ever hurt, Kelvin's going to be on him like white on rice. So it's really a balance of what's going to happen. Can Israel keep him, keep him away and get him discouraged by stuffing the takedowns early and making it a point fight and then possibly letting loose in the fifth round trying to get the finish? Or is Kelvin going to get those takedowns and really make Israel start doubting himself 
and laying on some ground and pound thick in the first couple of rounds. I am picking Kelvin Gastelum. Even though I give so much respect and I do enjoy watching Israel Adesanya, I have n- you know no shame in saying that because he is the closest thing to my favorite fighter at this time. But I'm going with Kelvin Gastelum, and Carlos is picking against me, going with the style bender, Israel Adesanya. So we'll have to see how that plays out. It is one of the most anticipated fights of the year. I am looking extremely forward to it. And these type of fights, <clears throat> I feel great about. Just because, I mean, I, of course, do I want to be the first host to, or on the first episode be the host that wins on Beat the Host? Hell yeah, I do. But these kind of fights where you don't really care on who wins simply because both fighters are so excellent and so talented, it's almost like a feel-good feeling. If Calvin wins, he raises a Mexican flag and that pays homage to my heritage, that'd be great. <coughs> if Israel Adesanya wins, you are witnessing the next the upcoming and next goat i mean he already beat anderson silva and anderson silva gave him his blessing if this man dispatches calvin kelvin gastelum in any type of spectacular fashion we all are going to be witnesses to a new era of the last style bender so very 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 exciting stuff for this co-main event now without further ado we finally get to the main event, which is Max Holloway versus Dustin the Diamond Poye. Words cannot describe on how much this fight means to the lightweight division as well as means to the featherweight division. There's so many questions on what is actually going to happen just by what the results are of this fight. Max Holloway is on a 13-fight win streak, hasn't lost in almost six years. His last loss was in 2013 against Conor McGregor. He has just unbelievable and unmatched cardio and output. If you thought of a one- or three-punch combo, the man is throwing seven- to nine-punch combos. It's absolutely absurd you think you have any time to breathe max holloway is there to tell you no sir there are no breaks when you're fighting the hawaiian goat there's no breaks you think you have you know mystic matt calling the round he has video footage the ufc has posted video footage of him telling joe rogan or him calling the round hey you want me to finish it right now i'm gonna finish it right now finish brian ortega In that round, technically, because Brian Ortega could not answer the bell and he did not come out for the fifth round. The man has got it all in one package. Against the other side, against him, Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, is really a heartfelt, good, nice storybook ending for this man. Or just just storybook career. He's been up and down and was coming up. And was on the high and then he got starched by Conor McGregor because his mental game wasn't there. But then he came back and had a war with Eddie Alvarez and it was a, you know, a controversial decision. So they got that rematch, rematch back and he put himself together. He started a family and he got it all in perspective and started just absolutely destroying people. Got the win against Eddie Alvarez. Got the finish against Anthony Pettis. And then he's also finished Justin Gaethje all three of those men were champions 
Eddie Alvarez was lightweight champion in the UFC. Anthony Pettis was a lightweight champion in the UFC. And Justin Gaethje was a champion in a different league that he came from. You're telling me that you don't think that Dustin Poirier, after this long road of a roller coaster of emotions, can beat a man that has been champion after he just dispatched three of them? The man has got talent. And I'm telling you, no matter what, if you put him in a corner and you say that he's just not ready for Max Holloway, that may be, but the man deserves a shot. The man deserves to be in this main event come Saturday. So what we're going to have to see is what kind of Dustin Poirier shows up. And the reason why I say that is no bad or knock on Dustin Poirier. It's simply the fact that we know what Max Holloway is going to show up. Max Holloway is going to show up. He's going to put his foot on the gas and go from 20 to 30 miles an hour for the first round. Second round, he's going to come out and go 35 to 40. Then he's going to see how Dustin reacts. If Dustin starts trying to slay and get, in the, get into a war with him, which would be Dustin's downfall, the man is going to put it on him. Keep it right at 40 miles an hour. Keep it there for another round, another round and a half. Come fourth round, the man is going to hit the NOS, put the foot on the turbo, and he's going 70 to 80 miles an hour in your face, throwing those combos where you can't even breathe to think, oh God. This guy can't even let me breathe. Like, he can't even, like, how do I even defend? I have no option. I go left, he goes left. I go right, I go right. I'm trying to push myself way back into the octagon and get control of the octagon. I'm against the fence. There is no breaks when it comes to Max Holloway. And if there is, it's the last 10 seconds when he points to the ground and he's like, just put your fists up and just sling him in the air. Like he did against Ricardo Lamas. So, I mean, really, there is absolutely no blank space when it comes to finding Max Holloway. Without a doubt, if we all took bets on if that's who's going to show up on Saturday night as far as Max Holloway goes, that's who's showing up on Saturday night. I guarantee it. Now, the Dustin Poirier that needs to show up, if he thinks he's going to get a win against that person, Max Holloway, 13 fights in a row, Dustin Poirier needs to make sure the number one thing, he keeps his composure. We've seen him, and he's a proud man, and it probably comes from the fact that He's had so many ups and downs that he knows who he is as a fighter. He knows who he is as a person. But he needs to make sure he keeps his composure and keeps his own pace. If he has a game plan that he worked out with Mike Brown and everybody from American Top Team, that plan needs to be executed to a T. Because the moment he slips off that plan, the norm, the moment that he strays from that path, Dustin Poirier has a really bad habit of sitting there in the pocket and saying, you know what, I am the best in the world. I deserve to be here. I know I have the talent. I'm going to slang and bang because I know I can starch this man. Did it with Justin Gaethje. Got a little wobbled. Did it with Eddie Alvarez. Got a little wobbled. You do it with Max Holloway and you get clipped and you put that Honolulu chin of granite on the line against your chin. If you get clipped, you're all of a sudden taking 10 punches to the face and you're pushed against the fence and you're bleeding and you don't have a chance to breathe. You don't get a recovery time if you're clipped when you're fighting Max Holloway. So if he does that, it's not where you get a little blank space where you can back up and get away from Justin Gaethje and then he starts throwing ballroom, bar room punches to where you can just hope to land one on him and then regain your consciousness. No, you don't have time to, for all that. Max Holloway don't have time for that. He's going to finish you. So what Dustin Poirier needs to do, lay out the game plan, 
Make sure you, all of his strikes are calculated. His game plan is well taken care of. Maybe throw in some leg kicks. Maybe get him thinking about the takedown. Maybe even grab a single leg against the fence. Push him against the fence, grab a single leg, and make Max Holloway think, all right, he's going to give me both games, stand-up and ground game. But if Dustin Poirier is just going to stand there and bang, I'm sorry. The reason why I pick it, I'll tell you, Max Holloway, my pick for the winner. Carlos is going the other way, going Dustin Poirier. I'm telling you right now, in my opinion, if Dustin Poirier thinks he's going to end Max Holloway's reign and take that lightweight belt from him and prevent him from being a champ champ by just standing with Max Holloway, it's not going to get done, folks. It's not going to get done. So that is the UFC 236 Pick'em Beat the Host debut um, contest. I do have a couple of announcements before we get out of here. Um, but I did just want to let you know that those are Carlos's picks. Just to run through them one more time, OSP, I am picking versus Nikita Krylov, which is what Carlos is picking. Me and Carlos pick Joe Ban and Alan Joe Ban versus Dwight Grant. Eric Anders, me and Carlos both picked versus Khalil Roundtree. I am picking Kelvin Gastelum, whereas Carlos is going with Israel Adesanya. And I am picking the champ, the Hawaiian king, Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier, which is who Carlos is going with. All you have to pay attention to or all you have to look for when you're watching these fights this weekend is as long as Carlos, the people's champ, goes ahead and wins and beats my picks, the listeners will be winning some gifts, some prizes. Um, Before we go on and we get out of here, I do want to just say thank you for everybody and um, anyone that tuned in to the rough drafts that I had on my SoundCloud um, I'm probably going to take them off just because as far as uploading, we do have a space limit. Um, but I do appreciate anyone and everyone that listened to those. Um, it is quite something to start a podcast and, you know, just really put the effort and find the time to talk, especially, you know, if it's, you know, 30 minutes to an hour at a time. I am probably lighting up my schedule a little bit more than I should, but just because I want to bring you guys the the most up-to-date news as fast as possible with multiple episodes per week. This is the show rundown that we're going to do. So the podcast schedule for If the Glove Fits Radio is going to be every week on Wednesday. We will do a Wednesday normal show. If um, if it is fight week of that week, it will just be a every week Wednesday check-in. But no matter what, I give you my word. We will have a Wednesday show on a weekly basis. That is my goal. Now, when it comes to fight weekends, we are going to have a special fight lineup because, I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here for the fights, whether that be regional or on a national level with the UFC or other leagues like Bellator. Fight weekends, for example, this is a fight this weekend. Friday, other than this week, this will be starting the next event. Fight weekends, Friday, we will have a pre-fight show drop. We'll do a pick'em contest or we'll do a specific challenger game to give away stuff to the listeners. Talk about the weigh-ins, which is why I'm doing it on Friday. Let you know who made weight, any type of drama like that. As well as immediately after the fight on Saturday, we'll let the, the dust settle. And then Sunday, we will have a results show. So once again, every week. Wednesdays will be your normal show to to listen in on If the Glove Fits radio episodes. Fight weekends, weekends that fights are on TV. Friday night we'll have a Friday we will have a pre-fight show release, and Sunday will be a results show to release and recap everything that has happened. 
So I do have at least three episodes coming to you at the most per week, but at the least when fight weekends are not happening, we will have one show per week. So I am giving everything that I have to this podcast, and I hope that you guys can see that. And I'm doing it not only for you guys, but I am doing it for myself because I do love everything about this sport. And I couldn't be happier than just be starting this podcast, especially with having great listeners like you all. So once again, we are on iTunes. Simply go to iTunes, the podcast app, or the iTunes store. You can subscribe. You can search by searching If the Glove Fits Radio, and you can subscribe there. The first episode is this one right here. So celebratory message to everybody involved. Thank you to my wonderful fiance who has been putting up with me, you know, locking myself in a room and making sure everything's quiet and sitting here talking to you guys for hours at a time. Thank you to the listeners and everybody for, you know, giving me the chance and giving me the listens and likes and views for now and in the future. And um, really just thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me a platform to, you know, voice my love and opinions on everything MMA related. Um, with that being said, the Instagram page should be up and running in about a couple days. We're going to be posting up the logo, but I will go ahead and post my first post via Instagram on my own Instagram, which is uh, the handle is MJA92. So you can find all the stuff there. Um, I'm going to try to make a, the, the Instagram handle if the glove fits radio, if it's already available. I think it is. So look there for any other updates. But other than that, you can search If the Glove Fits Radio on SoundCloud or iTunes. Once again, that's either SoundCloud or iTunes. I'll try to put the link um, for both accounts in all um, social media accounts so you can just quickly go over there. Um, But with that, I am your host, Marcus Omuth, and I can't thank you guys enough just for listening to me and make sure whether you – you know, love a million fighters and you turn into the fights every week or you're simply looking for something to listen to, you know, before you go to bed or you watch the fights and you go to Twin Peaks or a Buffalo Wild Wings and you're waiting in line just to see the prelims, any type of fan, any type of fight fan, any type of person that just enjoys a fighter or enjoys a technique or just loves being entertained, please make sure you get back to this podcast every week and you let me know if the glove fits.